Welcome to Inside My Canoe Head, a podcast about self-reliance and building a more resilient lifestyle. Today we're going to talk about a trip review of a recent backcountry canoe trip that I did in Algonquin Park. I'm your host Jeff. Let's get at it. All right, thank you very much. Uh, I had planned a six-day and five-night awesome loop in Algonquin Park backcountry, but unfortunately events turned about two days in that didn't allow that to happen. It ended up being a four-day, three-night trip, but that's fine. These things happen. Um, I went for a tumble down a path with a canoe on my head, and as embarrassing as that is, uh, it's, it's often fun to tell the truth because really, you know, it, it, it'd be really funny if I sat here and said, you know, I got chased by bears or I, uh, you know, was escaping a wolf pack or an angry moose or even better yet, a beaver with an attitude or something. But in reality, folks, it was just one of those things that happens in life. Uh, and I went down, I did some pretty, uh, pretty reasonable damage to my wrist and knees. And then I'm just sitting there. I'm out of range of anything. I can't get a cell signal. Uh, I'm not smart enough to probably, I am smart enough, but I think I'm too stubborn to actually bring a rescue device, one of those SOS devices. So I had no access to any emergency services. So I had to sit there and stare at my wrist and wait for it to turn purple, hoping it wouldn't turn purple, indicating it was broken. And when it didn't turn purple and I could put at least a little bit of resistance to it, I said, all right. Now, what do you do in life? And this is about one of those things that happens in life. It happened to me on a canoe trip. It can happen to you anywhere. Somewhere, sometime, you simply have to realize this plan did not go the way I thought. Nobody is coming to rescue me. How am I going to self-extricate myself from this situation and get myself back to sanity and safety? And nobody was coming. And I hadn't seen a human being probably in about seven hours when this happened. So I realized that I quite, quite likely be out there for a day or two without seeing anybody. So now what do you do? Well, what you do is you figure it out. And that's what a self-reliant lifestyle is about. You figure it out. And when you don't have Mr. Google by your side or a YouTube tutorial to tell you what to do, you realize pretty quickly that skills and training that you take to build a more self-reliant and resilient life they pay off because I knew how to stabilize it. I knew how to do check. I went top to bottom, left to right to make sure the body worked. I then pulled out my map, figured out where I was, figured out the route options that I had to get back to retrace my steps so that I would have the minimal number of portage necessary to extricate myself. I realized I did a gear check to make sure all of my gear made it through that little tumble fine. And of course it did. Uh, and then I went through... A little bit of a mental uh, mental conversation with myself. I said, all right, bud, this trip is not going to end the way you wanted it to. Fair enough. Now what are you going to do? Okay, you are a self-reliant individual. You got this. It's time to turn on that thinking cap and let's get ourselves out of here. So I, you know, I had my, uh, my two-minute pity party, as we all need to do every once in a while, and blaming myself and the world on everything. And then I turned around and decided, okay, it's time to extricate myself, and I did. So I worked back uh, over a period of two days, back to return my canoe a few days early and uh, get myself home and uh, get myself done and uh, wrapped up and saw a physiotherapist. And you know what? Everything's going to be just fine. But I'll tell you one thing that was really cool, probably the highlight of the trip, believe it or not, and it's a shout out to two young people that I met at the dock uh, going from Lake Opiongo to Lake Peru. Uh, a young couple that was out, I believe it was her first backcountry canoe trip. Um, he had some experience at it before. Just a fantastic, uh, fantastic 
couple of people, we sat down and con- had a conversation for probably an hour, maybe a little bit over an hour. And uh, listen, it, you not only does it give me a warm feeling that society is going to be just fine with intelligent young people like that, but what it also reminds me is that the healthy habits of the backcountry and the care and the custody of our great wildlands uh, are in good hands. And yes, it was only two people, fair enough. Uh, but when you see examples of two people who have uh, some pretty good careers in the urban environment and they're taking time to come all the way out into the uh, rural areas in the back country, and then they express such great gratitude to have the ability to have access to this, uh, it's actually pretty phenomenal. And, and you have to take that for what it's worth and you have to understand that that's an exceptionally important thing for all that we're facing. So a big shout out to the two of you. Uh, yes, I do remember your names. I just keep that stuff off of the podcast. But uh, again, thank you very much for taking the time to have a conversation with me. I knew you were waiting for a water taxi, but uh, still, it was nice. I really enjoyed it. So with that being said, um, I did promise prior to going that I would go through a gear review. And uh, I realized that this is an important part about self-reliance is, is, you know, a lot of people go out and they buy a lot of gear and they don't test the gear. And then when they first use the gear, they realize it's probably not the right gear. And then it's usually in an emergency situation and they need the gear to work and they're not familiar with it. Well, I've had been backcountry camping probably for about 35, 37 years now. So I have a lot of gear. And so I, the gear that I chose this time was what I was looking at as my ultra light or lightweight uh, high speed, low drag movement capability. Problem is, is that it doesn't work for me anymore. And I'll be frank, I'm 49 years old. I need a little bit more cushion than a foam pad. I need a little bit more movement than a mummy sleeping bags. So basically I had to go through a lot of things and, and uh, I ended up dropping about uh, two to $300 on seven new pieces of kit to replace some stuff that uh, didn't work. And, you know, it doesn't matter what I go through and what I, you know, what my gear was. It's the fact that I went out, I tested my gear. I realized that my gear was insufficient for what I need from both comfort. The gear turned out to be capable of doing what it was meant to do, but it was insufficient for my needs. So based upon that, I acquired the necessary replacements. They're all inbound via various different services. You know, so there's a couple of pieces of kit that I wanted to highlight. One was my tent. And I'll tell you this, I'm normally a bivy and a tarp guy for 90% of the year other than bug season. During bug season, I have this bomb-proof tent. And it's the best thing that I've ever had in my life. It's by a company called Six Moon Designs. It's called Lunar Solo LE. And this thing is near indestructible. It weighs far less than two pounds. It's a single trekking pole or a single carbon pole that holds it up. Uh, it's a single walled tent, but it, you know, I mean, they all have condensation, but this thing is bomb-proof. I mean, I went through a significant thunder and lightning storm that you see out in Algonquin Park in this thing, and it was fantastic. So uh, that's a great piece of kit if you're looking for any recommendations. Uh, I use a pocket rocket stove, of course, you know, just to make things matters worse, my fuel supply ran out on the morning of the last day, so there was no hot coffee. Well, I could have made a fire, but uh, I didn't bring my uh, titanium pot. So yeah, there was a lot of, uh, there's a bit of background noise here, folks, in case you wanted, there's some mechanical room next door being done. There's nothing I can do about it. It's in the nature of the beast. It's where the, uh, the building's um, air conditioner is. So if it's a little bit in the background, I apologize for that, but uh, really there's nothing I can do. 
in 30 plus degree heat, I would never record if I was unable, if I had to wait for the machinery in the background to not work. So if this messes you up, then it's unfortunate that you live in that kind of world that you allow yourself to get messed up by background noise. That being said, again, remember, this is inside my canoe head. It's about self-reliance and I poke the bear every once in a while just to remind people that, hey, your positive life is all about what you design. So after, you know, a couple of pieces of kit that worked exceptionally well, I'm now looking at uh, building out a better fall kit. Um, so I'm looking at a little bit more of a robust uh, sleeping system. And for me, I don't know about you, uh, but I'm done with mummy bags. I like to side sleep. I like to turn. I like to starfish in bed. And you can't do that in the camping world. But I am sick and tired of being stuffed into this little mummy bag and told that's what I'm supposed to use in the backcountry. So no, I'm buying a big rectangular bag that's big and fluffy and comfy. You know what? I'm going to hump and carry that extra three pounds. Why? Well, in the Army for 28 years, I humped some rucksacks were up to 70 or 80 pounds that I humped around. And so if I'm going to happen to take a 35-pound rucksack into the backcountry, I'm going to be bloody well comfy when I crawl into the fart sack at night. So with that, uh, I'm going to do a couple of things like that. So once I get my fall gear together, I'll, uh, I'll lay it out. I'm going to do a more intensive gear review when it comes to my three setups. So I basically have an ultralight, lightweight setup, which I used on this canoe trip. I have my bushcraft setup, which is all about using uh, the basics of uh, historical tools and skill sets to build shelters. And then I have my glamping setup. And when I glamp, I tell you, I've got a four-man tent just for me. I've got chairs. I've got everything else. So I've got the three different setups. Uh, I'm going to go through them in detail at some later time. What we want to do next here is just give you a little bit of lesson learned. So each and every trip that you go on, or each and every time that you take out your gear to give it a little run through to be more familiar with the gear that you have for emergency preparedness, it's exceptionally important to sit back afterwards and honestly have a no poop assessment as to what went well and what didn't go well. So I had a notebook out in the bush with me, and I do this all the time, a very small notebook and a pen. And so when I sat there in the morning of the third day after my accident, and at my rough campsite, and I'm sitting there going, okay, right now while it's all fresh in my mind, what went well? What piece of kit is really helping me out right now? And what piece of kit is failing my expectations? And I didn't, you know, I, I didn't mince words. I just wrote it out. I said, sleep system, you, this is bad, this is bad, this is good, this is bad. And I went through absolutely everything that I had in my backpack, and then I went through everything that I wish I had in my backpack. And some of the stuff was, you know, I didn't need this. It was a total waste of time. And some of the things uh, needed to be replaced. And some of the things actually, like I said, my, uh, my tent worked exceptionally well. A fabulous piece of kit's not going anywhere. So you need to do that. And, and lesson learned, number one, uh, and I'll admit to the YouTube and everybody else world out there that uh, I overextended my first day and I placed myself in a difficult position. So six and a half hours of paddling and an hour of portage put me in 30 degree temperature, dehydrated and exhausted at the end of day one. So dehydrated that I had difficulty consuming calories. When you put yourself in that kind of position, day one of a six day trip, you are setting yourself up for failure. Normally that route would be okay for me to do. However, I was stuck in a significant headwind and it was well over 30 degrees in the middle of the lake with reflection of the sunlight off of the water. And so because of that, I was exceptionally exhausted. But to contribute to that was the fact that I only had uh, one liter of water with me. And it's not 
that I didn't have lots of potable water around me. Well, actually, I didn't. It was a lake. Um, it's that the system that I had chosen to use in my ultralight was the tablets or Aquamira drops, which require 30 minutes. So as soon as I would drink a liter of water, I would fill up another liter in my Nalgene bottle, and then I would put in the tablet or the Aquamira drops. And But then I'd have to wait 30 minutes. And 30 minutes of hard paddling, you need hydration. So as soon as that timer went off, I grabbed that and I downed the one liter. And it became a chase game. I was chasing dehydration with hydration, and that is not a good recipe. And I don't care what you think in the mind of how great of an outdoorsman you are or how badass you are, or if you think you're Bear Grylls number two or Survivor Man number two. I, I don't care who you say you are. You're an ex-Special Forces soldier that's taken 75 different escape and evasion and survival courses. I don't care. You need to take care of yourself and you need to not put yourself in a position where you set yourself up for failure. You are responsible for that and it doesn't matter what your level of training is. You have to be able to notice the signs and symptoms and adjust as you go. I failed to do that. We're all learning and we do these things, but you have to be frank and honest in your face. You can't say, oh, well, it was the wind or it was a really bad day, but no, I powered through it. Well, if you're powering through every single day, then you're setting yourself up for failure because in the reality happens and you have to extricate yourself in some type of emergency situation and you're powering through day one, what do you got for day two? Not a lot. What do you got for day three? Probably a little less. So you have to be able to take care of yourself. You have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, this is not working. Right now, in the middle of this, this is not working. How do I adjust? How do I swing fire left, swing fire right? What do I need to do to slow down and take care of myself? And you have to admit that. None of us are experts. None of us are experts. You know, yeah, I, I, can, I know 17 different ways to light a fire, but I could probably find myself in a situation where I might not be able to light a fire or I don't have the energy to do it or whatever the situation may be, um, just more practice is, is, is what I'm trying to get at here. And, and that's what you need to do is to take the time with your gear. So if you've got a set of gear that you've got in a go bag, and we talked about the go bag before and why I don't do bug out bags or get home bags or stuff like that. They just call them a go bag. Listen, I'll, I'll go with the get home bag because in my situation, my emergency preparedness communication plan is to get home and that's it. So I have a bag in my truck, but everything that uh, I use in there, that I have in there, I use. And I try to use it fairly regularly to take it out and say, okay, can I actually light a fire with a ferro rod? It looks really cool on YouTube. It looks really simple on YouTube. It's a lot harder. Building that beautiful bird's nest that you can just flick a spark off your ferro rod into is great in YouTube, and it looks so simple. Try doing that in a rainstorm. It can be done, absolutely, and you will gain the skill to do it. But if it's a pouring rainstorm and somebody needs you to light a fire because you've got hypothermic people around you uh, and you're going, how do I build a bird's nest with wet wood, and you're just trying to figure it out at that time, you will fail. You will fail, and that's not what you need to do. So to prevent failure, you keep practicing. Are you going to fail in practice? Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do, and this is what the Army never does a very good job of. The, the army never accepts failure. And failure should be championed to the extent where you fail and you learn and you go back at it and you get better the next time. You want to fall down. You want to fall down forward. You want to fail forward. 
so that you get up and you keep going and you want to try. And you know what? It may take you five or six times to figure out how to light that bird's nest with a ferro rod in the middle of a rainstorm. But once you get that skill and that confidence that you're able to do it, you're going to rock. So just just some lessons that I learned that, uh, you know, I've got a few skills that need to be worked on. Uh, I'm pretty good at extricating myself when I have to. And I needed to do a better evaluation of my equipment uh, for the trip so that the next time around when I go back later this summer to redo the trip, because I'm not giving up, uh, I'm going to have uh, the right set of gear. All right, so I just kind of alluded to it there. The next adventure, we're going to go back at the end of uh, probably mid to end September, myself and a couple of friends. We're going to head uh, a decent canoe trip. We're going to do a little bit of combination of glamping and a combination of bushcrafting. We all want to test our bushcrafting skills, but we're going to do it from a glamping base camp. I know it sounds really weird, but it's just kind of a guy's getaway. We all have, you know, guys or girls or friends that you just like to get away and have some fun. Uh, and so this is what we're going to do. Uh, so this should happen in September, and I'll fire up a different um, report after that one. So what's coming up next on Inside My Canoe Head? Well, we're starting another three-part series on simplification. We're going to take the world's problems and the things affecting you as an individual in a modern urban or suburban society, and we're going to solve problems using the principles of simplification. Why is this important? Because each and every turn that you hear on the news and around, everybody is telling you that things are complex, a myriad of stakeholders. And every time you hear that, that should raise the hair on the back of your neck. That is nothing more than an individual, probably somebody of either academia or from a position within the public service that needs the perception of the problem to remain as a complex issue. Otherwise, it's exceptionally difficult for the individual to justify their very existence in the continued problem. So we're going to address a couple of things along the primary principles of self-reliant. We're going to talk about owning it. You own it. It ain't anybody else's problem. And we're going to talk about politics at the end. And I know that's a lot of fun. Everybody likes to talk about politics. But remember, politicians are those individuals who make the rules to which govern your life. And therefore, if you as a self-reliant individual do not have a political specter within you and do not have a political belief in you, you will be led like sheep. So it's up to you. I'm not going to steer you towards one political persuasion or another. I'm going to tell you, if you're completely apathetic in the world, then don't sit here and blame somebody or blame the way the country is going if you're not willing to stand up and contribute in some way and have your voice be heard. And when my voice is heard and nobody else listens and my political party that I support does not win an election, I can confidently sit down and look at myself in the mirror saying I participated my voice was said, it may not have been heard, but that's part of a democracy. It is a completely different story if I sit in my basement and say they're all crooks and I'm not going to support any of them, I'm just going to fight the machine. Uh, you don't win fighting the machine. So anyhow, thank you very much for joining us today's episode of Inside My Canoe Head. I look forward to you joining us next Tuesday morning for Simplification, Episode 08, where we're going to talk about the primary principle of self-reliance. It's time to reset your life.